Hello, everybody. Welcome to Fearless, Inspired, and Free, a podcast where I talk to wonderful women with stories of resilience and strength and uh, just uh, what makes them them and and what, what brought them to this space and place today. And today my guest is Lisa Vargas. She is a mother. She is a law enforcement professional. And most of all, she is a survivor. Lisa has had a lot of things going on in her life. Um, First of all, we all know that motherhood is a tough, tough job um, for the mothers out there. We also know that law enforcement is a tough job. And uh, finding the balance in just those two um, is often enough. Uh, But Lisa has some things that she wants to talk about today. And we're going to hear about her story. And I have to let everyone know right right in the beginning that there are some things that are sensitive that we're going to discuss today about mental health and things of that that nature. And um, it may trigger some emotion in you as a listener. Uh, but this is an important story to tell, and it is important for you to know how strong Lisa is and what a survivor she really, really is. So Lisa, I just appreciate you coming on today and wanting to tell your story, and uh, I'm pretty much going to open the uh, floor for you to kind of intro us into what brought you here to this space and place today in your life but also here on this format um, and this platform where you're uh, hoping your story and if you share it can uh, help others on your journey for healing to healing. Absolutely. Um, I don't know where to begin. (laughs) Um, A little bit about myself. I'm 44, a mother of three. Um, I have a son that's 25. My daughter would be 22. And my youngest is 10. I'm also a grandmother. Um, <clears throat> about a little over five years ago, five and a half years ago, uh, I came home from work um, and my daughter was 15 at the time. And um, I found her, she had uh, committed suicide. Um, it was, uh, about a month before her 16th birthday, my youngest was four. I went through, he actually was with me when I found her, uh, that we could discuss that later. Um, and I went through an extreme change in my life. It's, um, there was a lot of, there's a lot of therapy, there's a lot of um, medication, self-help, physical work, um, mental work, groups, books, everything and anything possible you could think of is out there. Um, And I reached for all of it for assistance to be able to get through it. Um, I like to say only because I had a four-year-old at the time. I think that if I didn't have him, such a young child, I probably would have just ran away, um, left home, left everybody, everything. Um, I went to maybe some third world world country and just helped. Um, that's what I, what I like to think I would have done, helped um, very poor people. Um, and live like I don't have anything because that's just what I felt I wanted to do but I didn't because I had a I mean not only my older son who has mental illness issues also I don't know if issues is the right word to use um, but he I dealt with mental health with him since he was a young boy Um, but he was an adult so he wasn't necessarily my responsibility legally Um, so at this this time, I just felt like I wanted to go, but I still had the responsibility of this little boy. 
Yeah. So he saved me in a sense. Absolutely. It sounds like, you know, his presence is what kind of kept you centered when your world felt like a tornado um, leading up to this discovery, you know, was it anything that surely no one ever expects something like that, you know, and um, that had to be a horrific thing to come home and, and find that. And that in itself is a, a, a whole trauma in itself, just the mm-hmm. you know visual of that. And I know you have spoken on that before, just, you know, trying to find a way to, you know, change that visible visual. Um, yeah. But do you want to tell anybody or tell everybody about your daughter? Or what do you want them to know about your daughter? You know, what's say her name and tell us who she is. (laughs) Um, Her name is Nayla. Um, When I was pregnant, I wanted a girl really, really bad. And I was convinced I was going to have a boy. Um, And I found this name in one of the baby name books and the name meant um, fulfilled wish. And I wanted a girl so bad. and I know when I, I had her and they told me it was a girl, I didn't believe it. I, it took me a couple of days, you know, changing diapers and everything before it actually struck me that I actually have a little girl. Um, but she had this bubbly personality. Um, she was... Um, available for everybody as she was older she was available for everybody and she just wanted to help the world her main um her main thing was wanting to help kids young teenagers um that wanted to take their lives she i didn't know this until later she had a a youtube channel um, she used to stay up talking to people, um, text messaging, um, conversating with all these people to convince them to stay, to not hurt themselves and stuff. And here she was um, cutting and, you know, self-harm uh, and, you know, the ultimate. But she, you wouldn't see her and think that this girl... Um, was hurting inside, that she was absolutely, uh, I think that she was numb inside. Uh, She had the most brilliant smile and then she got braces and it was just even more bright. Um, Beautiful, beautiful curly hair uh, and this personality, she was just so silly and goofy and um, I say that she was me as an adult, but as how I am as an adult, that was her as a child. Um, I like to be really silly and goofy and funny and whatnot, and that was her, and it was just really natural. And then she didn't care what other people thought about her. Um, she stood up to bullies for other kids at school. Um, um, she was just this big voice she was a voice for people, I think, that didn't have one. Um, and she was a beautiful writer. That's the biggest thing she wrote. Um, I was able to look through her journals and stuff after. And um, unfortunately, there's some things that I don't know if she wrote herself or some things she initialed, so I know it was her stuff, but it, it sucks to not know what was hers personally. Um, and then there's some things that are like really, really sad that I read, and I don't know if it's her expressing herself. So that kind of sucks to wonder if it's so, if it's this pain that I'm reading, if this was her pain, and it makes me really, really sad if it, that's how she felt. But then at the same time, if it's somebody else's pain that she was writing about or that she copied, it's still sad that it's, you know, someone feels that way too. Um, She wanted to be 
a writer for Saturday Night Live. That was like her big thing. She wanted to be on SNL. Uh, she loved Tina Fey. Um, that was our things. SNL was our thing. Um, I would get pissed if she started watching it without me. Or, you know, with the, sometimes I could, we couldn't watch a Saturday night for whatever reason. Sunday morning before I had to go to work, we'd be watching it or she'd start it. And I'd be like, we'd argue if she started it without me. Um, we had a rocky relationship. Uh, being a young mother is hard. Being a mother is hard, period. Um, I was a single mother, now with two kids, and um, I was all over the place, but I tried my best, and um, it was hard with her specifically because she had um, this pain that I couldn't understand. Um, even as a little girl, uh, she got her period very, very early, um, nine. And um, prior to that, for like a whole year, she would just get really emotional and just start crying out of nowhere. And I would ask her what's wrong. And she would just, I don't know, she would just be crying. So I just assumed that she's gonna get her period really early, which she did. Um, but she had very, very sad moments. And I always found it strange for someone so young to feel that way. Um, and it's not, I don't want to say it's not like things were really, really bad at home. I gave her everything that I could. Um, it didn't matter what she had. She had something inside of her that was hurting. Um, she's an, she was an old soul. Uh, she started cutting, I think it was in seventh grade was when I found, found out that she was cutting. Um, and I took her to the hospital and um, we agreed. She was already in therapy at this time, seventh grade. Uh, she um, agreed to body checks whenever I told her, I have to check you. I mean, it would be down to brawn panties to make sure that she's not harming herself. And she agreed to that. Um, it has to be, it had to be uncomfortable for someone to tell you to take off your clothes, I have to check you, you know, but for her safety, that's what I had to do. And to show her you loved her just to make sure she was exactly. safe. Exactly. Right? I just, I, she had to be safe and I had to know that she didn't need more treatment than just going to therapy once a week and, you know, whatever we were all going through. Um, she had uh, social workers at school that she worked with. Everybody loved her. Like she was this wonderful being, you know, a big ray of sunshine. I know everybody says that stuff about their kids or, you know, their family members when they pass or somebody when they pass that they were wonderful. I, it, just a picture of her, you could just see the, the brilliance in her, you know? Um, she did a lot of stuff that I didn't know about until after. Mm -hmm. And I found all this stuff out, you know? And it makes me sad. And I guess this is one big reason why I like to talk about it to others is you said in the beginning, you would never think, or it's something that you don't think someone's gonna do, you know? Um, that people don't think, I, don't have, I didn't have any signs. There wasn't any warning, you know? Um, for me, after there was so much, you know, mm -hmm. um, I had her on an antidepressant. Uh, we were doing therapy. She'd leave the therapist's office cracking up. She had her the therapist cracking up every single time because she's this silly, funny girl. Um, so, so you, so you thought you were managing it you thought exactly. that mm -hmm. the face she was giving you was this is working all the things you're the tools you're giving her this is working her she's still smiling exactly okay. um i think and this i don't know if you know about this um 
she went through a phase where I thought that she was interested in girls. Okay. Uh-huh. I don't want to say a phase, just in the in grammar in seventh seventh grade or so. There was this whole MySpace fiasco. Um, and there was um, I saw that she was talking to a lot of girls. And she said she was just playing a game, you know, just whatever. I, I um, I can't even explain what she was saying that she was doing. It just didn't make any sense to me. But then I was on guard, not on guard in a negative way, but I was starting to look out to see if she had an attraction to girls. Um, she wound up becoming really close with this, a new girl that transferred to her school. And then little things were happening where she would get real emotional and start crying um, and it, a lot of it had to do with this girl. Um, come eighth grade, I had more suspicion about this girl in, sp- in specific or in particular. Um, and I didn't say anything. I didn't ask her. I was waiting for her. Um, and then finally, one day in the summer after they graduated eighth grade, they both told me that they were dating or they were wanted to be together. Okay. Um, and I told her I knew and they both looked at me like I'm stupid. Like, how did you know? You know, cause um, you couldn't, you know, as a mom, exactly, you know, as an older exactly. person, how could you possibly figure so this I out? I didn't want, I know it was really hard for them and I appreciated that at such yes. a young age yes. that they didn't keep it a secret and they felt comfortable enough to come to me. Um, so I told them, I know um, this means no more sleepovers. And they were like, what? And I said, yeah, if it's a boy, he's not sleeping over. So it's no different. You know, That's this, it. They, we're not, I'm not playing that shit. Um, you know, we talked about it. The girl left, she hugged me and just started crying. You know, we were, I was holding her. And I think that was one big step I thought that that's something she was holding back for a long time. And that's why she was having problems and cutting and all that other stuff. And I was so hopeful that um, things were going to change. Because she got you are accepting. I, yeah, I, I never, I never gave her a reason to not think, right. you know, um, I think that she was just so scared of it all around, you know, just what everything that comes with it. Um, I, at the time, um, my husband and I were, you know, very accepting of her and loving and and it wasn't a big deal, you know, just certain things just had to change at at home, you know, right? because she can't sleep over (laughs) that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. Um, so as the weeks were going by, it wasn't getting any better. She started having like adult drama with this girl. And she was always sad and crying and they'd break up and not be together. And she was like this miserable, miserable person when she wasn't with her. Um, so she'd be so giddy and happy when they got back together or they break up for a long time. You know how it is, you break Young up. love, yes, exactly. young love. And, exactly. and, and and your first love is significant, exactly. right? But it's a, it's for a For whatever reason, this scared me more. It was, it was, uh, um, I felt she was too young to feel, but who am I to say, you're not, you know, what age is it that, that's proper to feel? Um, but at the time I felt, she was such a beautiful soul that you know you're uh, you're a freshman in high school you know come on um i didn't talk to her like that really i tried not to um i let her feel what she was feeling but I, you know i try to support her like you would do with the, you know 
a kid. Um, but then it got to a point where I had to put my foot down and tell her she can't be with her because it was getting really bad. It was affecting her in school, at home. Um, she was really depressed at times. Like they'd fight. Uh, it, it was ridiculous, you know? Um, and then they split up for a very, very long time and she was great. She started hanging out with friends, going to concerts, people were coming over, um, all these new groups of people and stuff like that. And um, it was wonderful until I heard the name again. When I started seeing her act up, act differently, I started thinking, what the, you know, what's going on? Because she came back in the picture. Mm. Um, long story short, which that was a long story, in the end, I blamed this girl for my daughter taking her life. Oh, wow. Do you, um, I did. I blamed her. Wow. Like, I didn't even allow her to come to the services. I had uh, certain people, I sh you know, pictures, a picture of her, certain people by the door. I didn't want her there. I didn't want to see her. Um, for a long, long, long time, I blamed this girl. Um, a 15 year old girl for hurting my daughter so bad that she didn't want to live anymore. You know, mm -hmm. um, that wasn't the only reason I learned, I, you know, realized later, but in that moment, it was her. It was your pain talking, you think, or making you feel that she, way? <clears throat> it was a little bit. It was a little, the girl had some you know part not she didn't tell her to do it she didn't you know stand there and, and you know help her so no my daughter made this decision on her own and it's something that I think that she's thought about for a long time um and was just holding on day to day um but whatever happened between them two on this particular day or the night before um, was like, the, I guess the icing on the cake for her to um, just give up, you know, be done. I can't take this pain anymore on top of all the other pain that she was feeling in her life. Um, but I don't think that you could blame anybody else for someone's action. Uh, if you find, if, if a kid takes somebody's gun and shoots himself purposely, um, he had an intention to do that. That's what he wanted to do, right? Um, this is how I have to rationalize it in my head. He has to do it. Can you blame the person that he got the gun from, would that mean that he wouldn't have killed himself that day? Maybe not, but this kid had an intention to, to take his life. And if they really want to do it, he would have found the way. That's, that's how I try to rationalize it in my head. Um, and this is how I had to uh, stop blaming this girl. I can't blame this girl for, for my daughter taking her life. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it was a very, very big step for me uh, a lot of people in my life uh, were angry with me that I forgave this girl. Um, I talked with her. I met with her. I let her come to the house after. This was several months later. Um, I, and it's strange, I started seeing signs prior to it. Um, and as I was telling myself or trying to process that I can't blame this girl. Um, one specific day I was driving to work and I made a stop and I was outside talking to somebody and I looked across the street kitty corner and there was a big billboard that didn't have anything on it, right? But someone uh, tagged, spray painted, um, really, really big, the word forgive. And I was 
in this place where um, my eyes were trying to be open to finding signs. I mean, my daughter was leaving me signs, you know? Um, if you know, the butterflies or if I saw a cardinal, like that kind of stuff, I was just looking hope, just anything that she was around. And I was talking myself through, what do I do about this girl? And I saw that sign, bright as day, I could still pick white letters um, and it said, forgive. And in that moment, I knew that's what I had to do. Um, it's still very hard. I haven't talked to this girl for a long time now. Um, I did very well. Um, I treated her very well after. Um, I apologize for my the way I acted. Um, she apologized to me for many things. So there was forgiving, you know, we, we went back and forth. Mind you, she was 15, 16 years old at this time, this girl. Um, I had to do it for me. I wasn't doing it for her. I had to do it for me. Um, but at the same time, I think that she kind of needed that to be able to go on with her life too, because this was, uh, she was such a close person to her. She lost what was her best friend too, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. I didn't look at it that way in the beginning, but she lost someone very, very special to her. Uh, and it's no different than her best friends, how they felt. I was there for them. I'm still there for them. You know, they still call me for Mother's Day and we get to get, it's still that kind of stuff. But um, I had to separate myself and think I'm not the only one suffering here. So I did very well with her, with the forgiving and moving on. And it helped with my grieving because I wasn't blaming anyone. And I didn't blame my daughter either. Um, was I angry at times? Do I still get angry? Um, for certain things, I get not angry at her. I get angry at the fact that I don't know what could be right now, where she could be. Um, I get jealous when I see the advancements that her friends have made. Like when, you know, I went to see one of her best friends for uh, prom, you know, me and my son went, we have pictures, stuff like that graduations I've gone to, um, all these things that I should have been going to with, with Nayla or for Nayla, um, I did it with her friends um, to be there for them. But I did it in a selfish way also, because I needed that, because I couldn't, I wasn't going to have that, you know? Um, and I beat myself up. I think that I was torturing myself by doing that. Um, I, I, th I think I told you, no, I didn't. Saturday, my niece just had her sweet 16. Uh, she couldn't have a quinceanera last year because of COVID. So they did a sweet 16 on Saturday and I didn't think anything of it. Um, I went, I was there, they had the, the parties, the girls come out, then my niece came out and she's you know showing off her beautiful gown and whatever, and I'm sitting there and we're all taking pictures. And then everybody, all these different family members are presenting my niece with gifts and her other grandmothers telling her what she's gonna be, what kind of a woman, uh, her future, you know, saying all this stuff and without me even realizing what the fuck am I doing here? It hit me, I started catching myself getting emotional because it was a beautiful thing and she's 16, like, oh, wow, I can't believe this. And then I was like, I'm not crying because she's 16. I'm crying because I didn't get to do this for my kid. Um, and I try to keep myself together. And all this, this huge flood of emotions that I haven't felt for such a long time just came pouring out. And before I lost myself, I just grabbed my, my purse and I, told my brothers, I have to go. And I just left. Um, and I screamed hysterically in my car, which I haven't done this for a very, very long time. Um, but 
before, if I went to a function like that, like one of her friends, safe, sweet 16, or a birthday party or graduation or, or what have you, um, I think I was doing it so I could see what possibly could have been Nela or something like she might have had, you know? But when I went Saturday, I had no idea. Like I didn't ha have that thought. It didn't even dawn on me. And it was just so crazy how um, these emotions just come out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. So you, it, you know, five, six years removed and you've done your therapy and you've done the work and you think you get to a, a place. But one important thing to let everybody know is that as the emotion comes, you got to kind of let them come. I'm very happy to hear that you didn't suppress that, you know, yeah, like you I, removed yourself, but you, then you let those feelings come out, you know? Exactly. One thing with you saying that uh, I didn't suppress my feelings. Um, after all this happened, um, I was drinking a lot. Um, I was a regular, like not a, I don't want to say I was an alcoholic. Some might say, because I drink, you know, whatever. Uh, some people, yes. Some people, no. I like to say I was a social drinker. Um, but I drank a lot more after she passed. But I felt like I never was intoxicated because I cried so much. I used to like to say that I, uh, I cried so much that the tears, like the liquor came out of my tears, right? Um, I wound up about two months, maybe not even two months later, I went out to New Hampshire to stay with my cousin for a couple of days. I needed, we thought it was a good idea for me to, to get away. And I was there maybe four days or something. And I drank a lot while I was out there. Um, and my cousin suggested that I go to the hospital while she was driving me to the airport. And I asked her, did I tell you that last night? Cause I guess I was thinking it, that I, maybe I need to go to the hospital um, for uh, my mental support, not like doctor, like emergency room kind yes. of hospital. Um, and she's like, no, I just, I just see it. You, you need more help than what you're getting. Um, and she knows me to, the way I was drinking um, and then it, it was just bad so I at the time I called my husband or I called my husband at the time we're divorced um, and told him I wanted to go to the hospital so from I had a layover so from New Hampshire to wherever the hell I flew he was able to get a hold of my psychiatrist and from that place to Chicago they were able to find me a bed. Um, so he picked me up, I went home, I packed my bag, I saw my little guy and um, he took me to the hospital. Uh, the main reason I'm bringing this up is I got admitted and when they were doing my paperwork, after I got, um, I had to go through a process of getting checked to make sure I wasn't bringing any um, contraband or anything uh, dangerous inside. So I did, you know, the the degrading checks that they that I was never I never experienced, but in the hospital, you know, taking off your clothes and um, make sure you don't have anything inside of you and stuff like that. So it mm -hmm. was pretty degrading. Um, specifically because I didn't do anything wrong, but I had to understand it was for my safety and for everybody else's. Yes. Um, she got to the questionnaire and this paperwork and somewhere it said that if I had an FOID, a firearm owner's identification um, card, that it would be revoked if I was gonna be in the hospital, okay? Now you introduced me, I'm in law enforcement. So that means if they took my, my gun card away, then I can't carry my weapon. And what does that do with my job? So I had to sit there for a while and decide, was I gonna leave the hospital because of my job? Because I didn't wanna risk losing my job. I didn't know what the procedure was, what was gonna happen to me. 
um, or do I need this for myself or my family? So um, she tried making a couple of calls and this is like two o'clock in the morning in the middle of the week. Um, and I was gonna call my husband and tell him to come get me because I couldn't risk that, you know? Um, this isn't the time that I wanna lose my job two months after my daughter left me. Um, and I just said, you know what? My family is more important than anything. Money doesn't fucking, excuse my language, money doesn't matter. Um, I could always get another job if, if necessary. Um, I'll figure it out. I always, I always figured it out. Uh, so I, um, I told her, you know what, just I'll sign. And it was the best thing that I did. It really was. Um, I only actually stayed for, I think five days. I was in therapy prior. I was on a, an antidepressant prior. Um, but then everything changed. My antidepressant changed. I had to be on um, anxiety medication, uh, like so much, so much stuff. Um, but it gave me a space where I wasn't surrounded by um, thoughts and memories of her. And it's not that I was trying to run away from it, and I didn't want it, but I kind of wanted like um, just a time to not have my phone, to not have to answer calls, to not be tempted to get on Facebook, to see, you know, those I'm sorry messages and how you're holding up, like that kind of stuff. I needed a break from all of that. Yes, I could have just put my phone down. Yes, I could have not opened the computer or not taken calls, but that's easier said than done, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I had, daily therapy, groups. Um, it was just, we say we need a vacation and we go on vacation and we go sightseeing and um, we're running back and forth and doing all this stuff. So we're not really taking a vacation. We're not, you know, most people don't just sit and relax and be. And this was my first opportunity to sit and relax and be. And um, I took advantage of it and I enjoyed it. Um, I was able to listen to my feelings and I was able to actually write. I was writing. Um, I wrote a lot, um, even if there was like um, a positive, like an affirmation, kind of a poster on the wall or something. I wrote that down. I had a little journal. I wrote down those little affirmations. I was just constantly, I was writing as much as I could. Um, my feelings, my thoughts, my desires. Um, if someone said something, wrote it down, you know? Um, but I met a couple of people there. Some of them were there that they attempted suicide and it didn't work. Hmm. Um, there was a gentleman that was like his fifth time attempting. He was an older guy. Um, and in those little four or five days, I became this person for these people that survived. I let them see what they would be leaving behind if they killed themselves. Mm. None of these people ever thought, well, if I take, if I, if I die, It'll make somebody else's life easier. I won't be a burden. Um, you know, all that other, all the stuff that could possibly cross their mind. But now they see someone on the other side of what happens to the people that they leave behind. Um, so in those little four or five days, I felt that I touched a handful of lives. Um, fast forward a couple of days, I left the hospital and I went to um, an outpatient program through, through the hospital. And it was a full day program. Uh, it was from like eight to three, I believe it was. Uh, and four people from the hospital visit 
join me in the program. So I got to hear what it was that they felt and why they tried to do what they did, which made me understand a little more about Mila. So that was a blessing to help understand. And then I was able to touch other lives and I honestly felt that they saw life in a different way because they know that um, what's left behind is rough, you know? Um, you feel I, like you found your purpose that yes, by going yeah. to that, you found a purpose for yes. kind of keeping you going and moving ahead and helping people see both sides. And I had no intention of that being my life. No intention. That was what she liked to do. Yeah. She wanted to save lives. That wasn't my intention at all. I told her that she can't be the, the voice of suicide, that she can't be, that um, it's not her job. And here, this is, this is what I do now. Um, I still keep in touch. This is five and a half years later. I still check in with these people. They're still here, um, which is a great thing. Um, but it, it, I did many, many weeks full-time in outpatient. Um, then I did partial and thankfully work was very accommodating. Um, I did have my gun taken from me, but I didn't lose my job. Um, I wasn't able to be uh, uh, an officer that's carrying a weapon at the time. And it took me uh, several years for, um, and lots of, lots of treatment, therapy, lots of paperwork and proof and stuff like that um, to be able to get my gun back. But it's, it's been a couple years now. Um, but it gave me an opportunity to, um, to help people in a different way. And then once I got back out on the streets, um, then I, I felt that I could be with the public and I could help people that way too. Yeah. You know? And we so, talked about that, how you want yeah. to be helpful exactly. as a law exactly. enforcement, you want to help people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to just be that person that just, you know, gives you what you don't want to hear and then not, not have a harder soul or not let you know that I understand I've been there. You know, my life isn't perfect. My life hasn't been perfect. I've suffered just as you've suffered, you know? Um, you know what comes to mind when you just finished that piece is that um, when you were pregnant and you found this name. And it meant mm -hmm. fulfilled wish. Yes. And here you are fulfilling her wish. Ah, oh, you're a jerk. You know? You're going to make me cry. It just jumped right out at me when you said that. When you said you told her, no, no, no. And by all means, you know, you are fulfilling her wish. She is a fulfilled wish for prophecy. And um, I'm so, you know, your journey and how you were able to just do this is just so inspiring. Um, your strength, I don't know how, you know, you still five, six years later, you get up and I see you were talking and your persona is just, you're just the, the pillar of strength. And the fact that you chose your family, your life, over the job is so people need to hear that. Like there will always be a job. There were always, and you see it worked out for you. It just took work, but it had to be you. You had to choose you. And we we're just talking about it previously. Exactly. Choose you, choose you. And you did this. So you've done the work. You've done some therapy every day. Isn't and like you said, every day is like, a, there's good and there's bad. There's ups and there's downs. Mm -hmm. Your your goal is to still help the community. Your goal is still to build this strong family. And I don't want to 
there's just a couple more things I want to ask you before we, you know, that might be helpful or people might be going through because one, we have to definitely want to know how your young son is doing and how you've helped him and how everything goes with him. But also um, some of the things you did, you told me before that you, you know, obviously you talked about the therapy and the, and going back and going in for inpatient and outpatient, but you said you did um, EMDR, you know, you, you tried all kinds of things and, and the signs and I, the signs that you get from your daughter keep you um, knowing that she's in a good place. Absolutely. She lets you know she's in a good place. And we talked about the whole dying and things like that. So tell me what things have been helpful as far as, you know, a specific type of therapy or, and I think journaling has helped you tremendously. Mm -hmm. And before we started speaking oh, yeah, today, you're finding that right now today, art, your love of art and expression that way is, is yeah. helping you. So tell me what are some things that can help someone in your position get, you know, continue to get through it. It never ends. And then mm -hmm. tell us how you're also helping your son so that, you know, and he was very young then. And so there's things he'll remember and he won't, but how do you, you know, keep him um, grounded and, and okay with what's going on? Um, as far as he goes, um, he didn't, we didn't tell him until he was about seven, he was four when it happened, seven or eight, that she committed suicide. Um, and we only told him because he heard the word suicide at school. He asked a question about it. And then his dad told him, you know, that's what Nayla did. Um, he was going to therapy about uh, maybe a year after it happened, a year or two. I, I really don't remember. Because um, he started having like sad moments and he would just cry for her. I think he spent the first year, uh, as young as he was, he cared for me. Um, if he heard me sniffle, he would turn his head to see if I was crying. Um, if he caught me on the floor crying, he'd run for his dad, you know, to tell him that mommy needs you, that kind of stuff, or he would mm -hmm. just sit next to me while I cried. Um, so I felt like he take the, he took this role without even real, you know, at such a young age. Um, but I think after a year went by and he saw that I was doing a little bit better, that's when he let himself start to grieve, mm -hmm. just naturally. Uh, so he was seeing somebody for, for a while and it was helping, but we never told him he was seeing somebody that his sister died. He misses his sister. He went through, why did she leave me? He still says it. He's 10 and he still says it. I was yeah. her best friend, um, stuff like that. Um, he's gonna, he stopped therapy a while ago. He's actually starts again next week. Um, because he's having a lot of problems with anxiety now. He's always worried about what's gonna happen next. Mm. So um, I, I can't work on it with him. I think he, he needs something more than what I could give him. So I'm taking him back to therapy. Uh, he writes, he still, we talk about her all the time. Um, if he cries about her, I let him cry it out. Um, and we're just very supportive of whatever he's feeling when he's feeling it. There's not much more, you know, if he has questions, um, I answer his questions as gently as possible. Um, but he's still very attentive to me. If he hear, if we're watching something and he'll hear the word suicide, he'll look at me, mommy, are you okay? Why, what are you talking about? They said the S word. You know, uh -huh. um, but he's a lot better. Um, he's he, he's healing, but we do we talk about her all the time. So, so you're healing together. Yes, and yeah. you're what you're learning or what you're receiving, you're giving him, and mm -hmm. you know, hopefully that you know as the years go, he can heal in a healthy way, and um, yeah. you know, yeah, hopefully he can. Um, because I can understand that being him being anxious about things and I know because that's such an unknown thing and happens so quickly and so um I'm happy that he you're you're doing what you need to do and you're helping him do what he needs to do to move forward you know and unfortunately I heard you say you know 
you had your husband at the time, but now you're divorced, but you guys are doing that together, helping him heal yeah. and, and things mm-hmm. like that. So that's a wonderful thing. And, and you- my older son too, that he still goes through his moments, but he does really good with it. Like he'll come to me, he'll talk about stuff or he has, you know, mom, you know, me and Nayla used to blah, 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 blah. Like he'll tell they me were stuff closer in age, right? Yeah. yeah they were, they're closer four, they were four years apart. Yes. Yes. Um, so, and they hated each other, you know? <laughs> But he tells me stories of stuff they used to do. And I'm like, what the hell, man? Why didn't I didn't know that? I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. What, why are you telling me? And I would get mad, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, Nayla did blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I don't want to know that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so and then I have my grandson. So I get to see uh and how old is my, your grandson? He's four. Oh. So my son teaches his son about his aunt, his Titi Nayla. Um he has her pictures all over. He has, you know, whatever. My son um, has his little, um, I had her cremated. So he had, carries her ashes. He bought my grandson a necklace so he could carry the ashes, just like his. It lasted a day because he's a crazy little boy. Because he's um, four. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's awesome. Um, he's the biggest boy that I've ever met. Like the, of, the boy of all boys. So that was another thing. When, she, when he was born, I was at the hospital. And when I went into the room to see him, like I was so nervous because I, I, we spoke about me talking to a medium before mm-hmm. and being able to find uh, comfort in uh, being able to communicate with my daughter on the other side. Mm-hmm. And my mom spoke with this medium and the day my son found out what they were having and without my mom knowing that she, she was having a boy, my mom saw the medium, the medium said he, she's having a boy and Nayla has him is comforting him his soul and so he's ready to come to the earth to to be born so knowing that throughout the pregnancy and then when he was born and I saw his face and that he was healthy and all that other stuff you know checked him and everything um then I just dropped to the floor bawling hysterically because I just pictured her holding him and now this is new life like this was maybe a year and a half later or something yeah about that long so that was um that was a rough one to um so he's a big he's he's a big part of stuff I wish to I I really deep inside wish she was having a she had a boy I mean a girl so that we you know but um yeah it, it that was that was really really hard that strong leader will come through maybe you know the fact that she cared for him before he uh made his journey this way yeah. Um, he picked up and it's some hard for people her. to believe that kind of stuff you know not every, you and I spoke about it not everybody believes um like in afterlife and being able to talk to your your you know, loved ones and stuff like that um but I I'm I am a believer going and this is going into the signs um uh my Nayla leaves me dimes I'll find dimes at random places um and how I learned that she left me dimes was uh, after she passed, I would park my car in the garage and my husband's car would be on the left, mine would be on the right. So I'd get out of the driver's side and, or somewhere in the middle, I found the dime and I just left it there. I'm like, whatever, I don't want to bend down. Uh, and then like a day or two later, there was another dime next to it. I'm like, what the fuck? Why is there another dime here? And then the, the next day there was another dime. So there's three dimes now in the middle between two cars, right? Um, in my garage. And only on the side you would get out of. In the middle between both the cars. Yep. But it wouldn't be on the side where I would get out of. My side would be on, it was between both passenger sides. Okay, okay. Okay, so he would um, back in and I would pull in. Got so it. both of our passenger side, but when I would get out of my car, I'd have to go around the car and come through the middle to get out, out of the door. If mm-hmm. you could try to understand that, but it was between both of our cars. He would never go on that side because his driver's side was right at the door. He wouldn't go on the pass in that middle part. I would. Mm-hmm. So I picked up these dimes and I'm like, what the hell? And then I started finding dimes in all types of places, all types of places, anywhere and everywhere. People find pennies everywhere. I started to find like almost on a daily basis was a dime. Um, And now I believe that she just sends them to me when I really, really need it. If I'm kind of in a funk, if I'm a little down, sad, whatever, or 
if I'm thinking about her or I ask her. Um, I think I told you people will, will pray to God, like, oh God, please let me make it through this day. Um, I would tell her, Nayla, you know, help me get through blah, 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 blah. And then I'll find a dime. Wow. Um, I went through this huge thing whenever I saw butterflies. I would always say that's Nayla. My son does it all the time now. That's Nayla, that's Nayla. Um, I not so much do the butterflies, feel the butterflies as a sign anymore. Um, occasionally. My big thing now is um, if I'm thinking of her, it's happened twice now where there's a hawk that has flown past my car, like really low while I'm thinking of her. Um, like really, really strange. It's just strange scenarios. Um, so it just, I choose to believe that it's her at, at times. It's just, it's just a feeling I get, you know, and yeah. I take it and I love it. Mm -hmm. I love yeah. it. Um, so I've gotten into a lot of, uh, spiritual work. Yoga was a very big help for me. Mm -hmm. Um, my sister-in-law at the time took me to my first yoga class. Uh, she died in September, in December. And um, it was huge healing for me. Um, I, I fell in love with it. And um, I've gone through my stages of doing it and not doing it. I'm currently in teacher training. I'm kind of in a funk with it right now. Um, but it's, a, it's a, another it's a stepping stone for me to be able to continue. Yeah. I just find a bunch of things and whatever works for me at the time is what's working for me. I just need to keep going. So the bottom line is just keeping going and keep trying to find ways to kind yeah. of go. Mm -hmm. um, and you're living, you know, this life of purpose. You still have your job that, you know, where you, you want to be a public servant. You, uh, the yoga is helpful. And I know that we talked um, a couple of days ago and you said, and we, we decided, Okay, I'm going to say we yes. and you decided that you, you there's a path that you wanted to take for schooling and that you're going to look into that. And, you know, you got to do that when time was registered for my class yesterday. And that's what I wanted to hear, because <laughs> I know <laughs> I that it. that's going to be for you. And so you're going to do that path and um, take care of that. And then you also. Uh, right before we jumped on, you said that um, although you take a break from all the social media things, you know, just kind of balance out for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to be picking up and you're going to be participating in, was it in September? Is it coming it's, up? Um, October 3rd, the American oh. Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Um, I started doing the uh, the walk, the, the suicide um, prevention walk. And ironically, um, that year that she passed, um, I was going to walk for, um, my, one of my good friends, her mom committed suicide when she was younger. So she, uh, I was going to walk with her team. So I had told Nayla that her and her friends are going to walk with me, they, whether they wanted to or not, they were going to come. And she wound up dying. I had her services Friday, Saturday, I buried, um, Saturday was the last day. And then the following Saturday was the suicide walk. So originally I was walking for my friend's mother and it was going to be me and two, three of her friends. And it wound up being, um, we walked with that group, but it wound up, I wound up bringing like 50 people. Yeah, I remember. And everybody walked for Nayla. And then the following year I had my own team Mm -hmm. Ayla's Wallflowers, her favorite book slash movie was um, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Um, so I started my own team the second year, uh, a year after she passed. And um, so, but last year, unfortunately, because of COVID, they didn't do the walk, they did a virtual thing. And for whatever reason, I wasn't feeling, um, I wasn't feeling good about asking people to donate money in such a bad situation. You know, everybody going through stuff with COVID and not working. Um, 
I, I just, I just didn't, I didn't want to do the online. I didn't want to do it. I wasn't feeling good about um, any of it. It was, a, it was a hard, a difficult time, yeah. COVID. And, yeah. um, but now so I, you get to come out this year. Mm -hmm. Now that you get I just to got out. the email but. and I decided I'm going to go ahead and register and I'll um, get back on Facebook and um, um, start requesting money. So and it is a wonderful experience. I've done it several times too. And, you know, you don't, you, yeah, yeah. And I don't know, I don't, you don't know what to expect, but when you get there, it is so healing. It is like, it truly is. And they say out of the darkness, it truly does feel like that. It makes you, it makes people aware of the stories. It makes people aware of what people are going through and I think is a wonderful organization. And um, I think that um, just, again, the strength of those families for that event and, and, and the walk and it's just so powerful. Um, yeah, so I, I love that you stay connected to that. Yeah, um, I also, so there's the walk um, out of the darkness. Um, out of the darkness walk then there's also um i volunteered i took a break from it um the crisis text hotline um anybody could text the number 741-741 and just say hello help hi you know anything and you'll have a um someone come and communicate with you if you're in any type of a crisis, it could be um, it could be from the extreme of you're suicidal to something as minimal as my parents are going to be mad at me because I got a bad grade on my math test. I'm scared, you know. That's, that's um, great information. You said if someone texts six numbers, the, well, the number seven four one seven four one. Okay. So instead of writing any phone number, just write 741 okay. and then put the message, whatever the message, can I talk to someone? You could just write the word help, anything. Okay. Um, someone will get within um, minutes, you'll have someone communicating with you via text. Okay, awesome. I'm going to put that information out there. Thank you. It's That's called the, cri the crisis text hotline. Crisis text hotline. Okay, mm -hmm. awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. And I'm, oh, I'm going to make sure I put yeah, that if out anyone, there. If anyone that's listening, if they have um, a, a, a child, a friend, family member that is having, that they're worried about them in any way, shape or form, that's an option. Like if I knew about this, if I would have been able to tell Nayla that if you're feeling X, Y, Z, you know, maybe text these people, here's a number just in case right. you don't want to talk to me or this is like, in an emergency situation, I volunteered and I've, and I had three, three, uh, suicidal people like in that moment. And it's very, very hard. Um, it was very hard for me to try to talk somebody down, um, from that moment, you know, uh, given what I went through. Um, but it, it's something that was, a great feeling for me, you know, we're, we're the, the purpose is to help you in that, in these 24 hours to keep you okay for these 24 hours. Yes. They, um, they offer therapy, whatever it's in the whole, the whole world. So I could, they, they could find a therapist for you counsel, you know, all different type of resources for whatever Wonderful. your situation is. It's a, it's a great, it's a great, um, avenue for people. Um, but that was a something really big that that I did, but I had to take a break from it because sure. um, it it got too personal for me at times. So I took a break from it. Um, Again, the balance, you'd have to do yeah. the balance, mm -hmm. right? Right. Mm -hmm. In order for you when to I'm maintain. Ready, when I'm ready, I could get back on. Um, so they put you go through a, a training um, and stuff like that. And there's always someone that you could talk to. I'm not just giving advice out. People aren't just giving advice to whoever's texting without someone above them that they could ask a question to if they're not sure about, you know? Right, um, fantastic. So it's it's a wonderful outlet for people. Um, so there's the suicide walk, there's that. Um, 
American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, which is the one step promote the out of the darkness suicide walk. Um, I did um, the Compassionate Friends is a group for parents that have lost a child. Um, TCF uh, that I found them a couple months after she passed and that was a great, great resource for me um, to where I was able to um, meet with a family um, that lost their child and talk with them. I, I, one of the directors of the group that I would go to would call me if there's someone new, um, especially Spanish speakers, to try to talk to them, to let them know that it's a safe space, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then she wanted me to open my own chapter in a certain area for Spanish speakers because there wasn't any in that area. Um, and I, I was willing to do it. Um, so it feels good to know that um, what I'm doing is helping other people. Yes, you basically know? just coming out of some coming out of the darkness and being exactly. able to provide some light. Well, um, you know, Lisa, I I know that life will never be the same, and I know that every day is a new day, and you know we take it one day at a time. We truly do. Um, but again, I'm so grateful for your strength. I'm also very grateful that you are telling your story so that someone that may, might be, there's so many things, someone who might be struggling with their child right now, not sure how to help them or not sure what to look for, or, you know, someone who, like you said, uh, compassionate friends who they've been through it and, and now, you know, just trying to work through that and, and be support for one another or whatever that looks like. Also the self-work you have done on yourself. If someone knows, okay, I'm in this place, I, I, I have these options. You know, just the fact that you're doing that to provide help for someone um, is so much appreciated. I'm so glad that you, um, you allowed us to, to talk to you today and, and hear your story. And I um, also um, gonna keep, um, sending out the good energy and the good vibes. Cause I know that in your, your current profession in law enforcement, you want to help and you want to assist. And there's so many ways to do that. And we talked about ways, um, yeah. you know, how to do that and you can still do that. And so that brings me joy too, because it's a profession that's still near and dear to me. So, um, I thank you for all you do in that arena as well. Um, so, uh, everybody, uh, we will, when I put this up, I will, uh, put up, the the text number again i'll put up that you you can look up compassionate friends the out of the darkness walk and uh also i will leave an email for lisa if anyone has questions so lisa thank you so much for uh joining today and you know um i'm sure we'll be speaking again i'm sure we'll hear from you again no problem would you be willing to add uh my name for if anyone wanted to donate for the uh the walk Absolutely. I'll put the link. Yeah. To yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So we'll link, we'll link the, um, that walk mm. when I post and, and everyone knows that they can find it on Apple, Spotify, Google podcast, yeah. anchor. Um, and then there's a, uh, Instagram page for fearless, inspired and free. So I'll make sure I include all that with you. Send that okay. to me and I'll put it up there. Sounds good. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you.